Okay, this morning. And what are the signs this morning of how close we are? What is the the reality, the signs of how close we are to seeing our Lord and Savior face to face? How how close? And we can see it, and God has made it very, very clear in the Scriptures. He really has done so. Now, I'm just going to read some portions here in the Scriptures. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, and verse 1. Now, when we read... To understand, if you really want to understand the Bible, it's very, very easy to do. It's very easy to do. So if, we, if we're going to read chapter 3 and verse 1, we're going to start there. Then you have to go back and read chapters 1 and 2. It's kind of, kind of interesting, isn't it? So this is what it says. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul to the local assembly, because when we say church, really church is not even in the original, by the way. The word is local assembly. In every single case, in the original language that God the Holy Spirit chose to record the very word of God. See, this is a translation. And so here it says, and I, in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 3, and I, brethren, he's talking to those that are born again. If you see it in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, you will see that even those that he was speaking to were very gifted and were given many, many gifts by God the Holy Spirit because of what Christ had accomplished on their behalf. But he said, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. They're born again. God loves them. They are a local assembly. But Paul through the power of the Holy Spirit, could not speak to them as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. We've said this before. There are three people groups when the Holy Spirit wrote the epistles of First and Second Corinthians. There are three people groups in those two epistles. There's the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. See, a believer, once positioned in Christ, can never be, will never be considered by God to be carnal. But can they? I mean, natural, I should say. They will never be considered by God to be considered what? Natural. That old self in Romans 6, 1 through 6, has been done away with. But can they appear in his sight as he sees them in Christ? But can they appear as carnal? And this is making it very, very clear. Very clear. This is what makes teaching to be so incredible. The precise preaching and teaching of the Word of God. It is the most, most important thing. Right with our salvation, the most important thing about us was the moment we received Jesus Christ. And then at that moment, instant would be the proper preaching and teaching about that whole salvation. That's why it says in Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation. That's not just the day that you were born again, but your whole Christian life. That's what Philippians 2.12 says. 
work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling, for it is God which works in you through what Christ has accomplished, both to will, with your will submitted, and then to do, allow him to do the doing what Christ has finished in you. That's what it's saying in Philippians 2.12. Work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And who was the only one that ever pleased him in John 8, verse 29, in Matthew 3 and verse 17, and in Matthew 17 and verse 5, it was Jesus Christ, his son, who is our life in Colossians 3, verse 4. He was the very life of these carnal Christians who were gifted. He was their very life. But Philippians 2.12 says, Work out your own salvation with a reverence and trembling, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Eh? For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Who's doing it? So he said, and... 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. You know, you can be in your 80s and be a babe. You can be a Christian. You can be loved by God. And in your capacity, you can love God. But you can still be a babe because you're not having right preaching and teaching. As even unto babes in Christ. Notice they were babes in Christ. But had they progressed in the growth of grace and knowledge by and in Christ Jesus in 2 Peter 3.18. That's why it says in any local assembly in 1 John 2.12-14, there are babes, newly born ones, just born again. Then there are young men. Now they're growing. They're beginning to grow. And then spiritual fathers. And not all are spiritual fathers, not all, but you can function properly in who you are in Christ through this right, the right preaching and teaching that Christ is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 2, this is what he said, and this is where a lot of Christians are today. And this is where they function, and they function in disorder. That's tremendous disorder. Oh, Lord, help us, right? Verse 2 says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat because you're like babies. You don't have spiritual teeth yet. You don't have spiritual teeth so that you can consume the, pre the meat of the word of God. So I have to continue to feed you milk. I have fed you with milk and not with meat because even there you were not able to handle it. You couldn't even bear it. Neither yet now are you able how many Christians? For you are yet what? Carnal. Carnal. For whereas there's among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For one says, I am of Paul. Another says, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? He even says it again. Let's go back to the first chapter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, in verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, who is he talking to? Those that are born again, they are positioned in Christ. They're born again. I beseech you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when it says name, it's indicative of the person's character and the work that has been accomplished. In this case, of course, it's Christ. 
I beseech you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you speak, you all speak the same thing. Because is there one mind for the one body of Christ? You see that in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. You also see that in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, in those first 13 verses, right down to the 28th verse in that 12th chapter. Now this is what it says, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no schisms, no divisions, no separations, no areas of death among you, but that you that you be perfectly, and perfectly is complete, fulfilled by what Christ has accomplished, perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, which is really the same discernment. For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, and he's owning them as those that are in Christ and that he is one with positionally, but are they experientially? It's been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, house. See, they met in Acts 20, 20 from house to house, by the way. That's why the church has never been a building, ever, not one time in all the scriptures. As beautiful as men might want to make them to be attractive and appealing to the flesh and make the building more than the actual builder himself. No wonder they're not built up. that there are contentions among you. For this I say that every one of you says, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas, which is Peter. And some say, I am of Christ. Those, that's the crowd. They don't need anybody. They're going to study on their own. There's two, there's two classes. Those that will make the one that preaches more of an issue through approbation lust, personality rapport lust, than Christ himself. And that's what those first three are. Then the last one is, they don't need anybody telling them what to do. They're going to do it all by themselves, and no one is going to tell them what to do. You can be sure of that. A lot of cases, those that profess to be born again, but in their works, in Titus 1 and verse 16, they deny him. Very serious thing. And they're, they, they're, they're a part of any, any and, and that's why not every place where Christians meet is called a local assembly in the scriptures. By the way, in Matthew 18, 20, it's, it makes it crystal clear. God the Holy Spirit makes it crystal clear. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, and his name means everything about his person, meaning that church is taught the very person of Jesus Christ in detail and the work that he's accomplished in detail. And when it's not, he recognizes them as the body of Christ, but he does not recognize it as a local assembly. It's brought out crystal clear in the scriptures. Again, that's why, again, no such thing in all the scriptures in 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, in 1 Corinthians 14, 34, Jeremiah 3 and verse 15, and Ephesians 4, 11. That's why pastors and teachers are masculine, singular. They're never women. Women are never to take the lead when the local assembly gets together because that's not God's order. Crystal clear in the scriptures. 
crystal clear. So, he, the answer to that, to those three that say, I am of Paul, I'm of Paul, some say, I am of Peter, Cephas, and, and others, we don't need anybody. They say, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? He preaches the crucifixion of Christ, and we're to preach that as pastors and teachers. But was the one that's doing, is the paper boy the, the one who formed the, the papers that he delivers? Did he do all that, or is he just a paper boy? That's right. That's what an apostle is, a special messenger. He has a message that comes from the, the one who wrote the message. Now, again, then they, he sees them as what? They're, they're having church. There's, a, there's preaching going on. There's a lot of that that's going on. But how are they viewed by God without proper preaching and teaching? How are they? And if you don't have proper preaching and teaching, what's the only thing you can function in? It's the flesh. Fleshly interpretation of the Word of God. No wonder there's divisions. No wonder. These are all signs of how close we are to Christ coming back. Now, you see that in Corinth. You see that in Corinth. Okay? In the church of Corinth. Now we're going to see where we are at this particular time. Because it was this way in Paul's day. How short are we to seeing our Savior face to face? How short is it? How much time do we actually think we have? Watch. Here's 1 Timothy 4. Verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly, clearly and concisely, that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. You know what that means? It could mean those that were truly born again, and it could mean those that professed they were, but never were. Those are the two classes that can depart. Some will depart from the faith. The faith, again, is hopistus, and it means all the preaching and teaching about the person of Christ and what he's accomplished in his finished work. They'll depart from the faith. Now, the only thing that you can do when you depart from the faith is what? Give heed to seducing spirits. You get seduced. You get seduced by spirits and doctrines of demons. <laughs> That's right. Anything that's not of the clear, concise, proper preaching and teaching of the person of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished, if there's not that conciseness, what do people have to fall back on? The only other thing they can is what? Is seducing spirits. Can the, can the enemy seduce me when I'm functioning in Christ experientially in my position? No. Where does he seduce us? In the flesh. That's right. In the flesh. Then you just flip God's order. You do whatever you want. Every man does. You see it in the book of Acts. Every man does what's, what is right in his own eyes. He doesn't have the eyesight, the view of the Father through Christ and what he's accomplished in his person. No, it's their own eyesight. Meaning they privately, in 2 Peter 1 and verse 20, privately interpret the scriptures. They don't care. You could tell them the truth in print. Show it to them. And still... I don't believe that. I believe this way. <laughs> wow. That's the day that we live in right now. What? Now, what motivates and what is it that's behind these spirits 
these seducing spirits, right, to be seduced. You're married to Christ positionally, and then the enemy comes in and tries to seduce you away. Seduce you away. See? Seduce. What is it behind these seducing spirits and doctrines, these teachings of demons? What is it? They speak lies and hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? One who pretends that they love God but won't obey his word. That's what it says in Romans 12, verse 9. Let love, who God is, be without pretending. Because in 1 John 3, 18, Love not in word or in tongue what you profess, but in deed and in truth. That's what it says. That's what it says. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Oh boy, that's so dangerous. I see it. I've heard it even recently. Seriously, I have. Lifestyles. Lifestyles. Read Leviticus, the 18th chapter, 19th chapter, 23rd chapter. Read Romans, the first chapter, verses 18 to 32, about lifestyles, homosexuality, lesbianism. Seriously. Did you know even in the Bible, in Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5, it's commanded that men don't dress like women and women don't dress like men? You know what we call that? They call that cross-dressing today. You know what the Bible calls that? Look at it. Abomination. Abomination. They profess that they know God, but in their works, their lifestyle, they deny Him. From such, turn away. Turn away. You don't fellowship with people like that. The Bible makes that crystal clear. Crystal clear. Furthermore, I think this is even more dangerous. Those that live in the... See, to me, it's one thing for any of us, and any of us can fall into some of the grossest sins at any time. And it's one thing to fall as a belie- true believer into those things. But then to mock the Word of God to me. And I'm not God, but I don't see the fruit of salvation in that. I just don't. Don't see it. Don't see it. Then it says in verse 3, forbidding to marry and to abstain from meats. <laughs> All your cults. Some, I know some believers, you know, they go right, they're going right back, they go right back to Roman Catholicism. Really? Does this sound familiar to you? That's just the wind. Forbidding to marry. Commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them that believe and know, experientially experience the truth. Every cult, every single cult you'll find in this, they will have their set of rules. They will. What you should eat, what you shouldn't. And I know, and again, there's healthy foods, and I'm not talking about that at all. This is a whole spirit behind it because you can see it. You see the context? Seducing spirits and, and teachings of demons that speak lies and hypocrisy. 
They speak lies and hypocrisy. This is where we are right now in this particular time. This is second, this is second Timothy three. How long ago was this written? How many hundreds and hundreds of years ago was this written then? And where are we now? Oh boy. The hands on the clock, they are so close to speaking midnight. The midnight hour. Read it in Matthew, the 25th chapter. The midnight hour in the types there. This is 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. This also know, this know also, that in the last days, perilous, stressful, hard to deal with, times will come. Why? For men will be lovers of their own selves. Do whatever they want. Could care less what anyone thinks. They're going to do it anyway. And furthermore, furthermore, I want, to, I want us to see this. See how serious this is. This is Romans, the first chapter. And I'm going to read this. Watch. And watch the progression of this. Watch the progression of this that we see. This is Romans 1 in verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And unrighteousness, listen to this, of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. They know better, do it anyway, don't care. And then, furthermore, mock you. What are they doing? They're mocking God in you. Yes. Have something to do with that? Please. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it to them. Hmm. For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen being made by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. They'll tell you why they do what they do and they make every excuse under the sun. They'll blame anyone and everyone to continue in a lifestyle they know is not of God, but yet will still do it. And the worst crowd are those that not only do it, because I said we could all fall into the grossest sense, but then to mock the truth and to mock others and to mock God, that's a whole nother plane. That's another whole plane. An extremely dangerous one. Because that, when, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Oh boy, isn't that interesting? You'll see that in 2 Timothy 3, in that chapter. They were not thankful. They were disobedient to parents. You see all those things because they were lovers of themselves and not lovers of God. They refused proper preaching and teaching like multitudes do. Neither were thankful, but became vain, empty in their imagination. You know when there's a vain area and it's not filled with something? It sucks in all the doctrines of demons. You don't have proper teaching, you're sucking in everything. It's like a vacuum and it's just pulling in everything. They became vain in their imaginations. No wonder it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations, all this false reasoning, all these lies, these hypocritical lies. You, to, say, to, to say that you can live a certain lifestyle and that you still love God, you're a liar, the Bible says. You're a liar. That's what it says. 
became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart, who's a fool, one who's only interested in his own opinion and could care less about anything else. Could care less. Became And their foolish heart, mind and emotion, was darkened, professing themselves to be wise and you to be a fool. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Self, their source was themselves under, the, under what? Seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image. Made like to corruptible man. And to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. They wouldn't change. They refused it. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. To dishonor their bodies between themselves. <laughs> Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature themselves. <laughs> More than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Listen to this now. Because even the women did change natural use into that which is against nature. That's lesbianism in the Bible. That's what that is. 27. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, Men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. For e and even as they did not like to retain God, keep him, retain God in their knowledge. It's not that they didn't know it. They just didn't want it there. Wow. We live in a surrounding area where that's rife. It's rife. It is. That's why we need a local assembly of believers. That's why we need a local assembly of believers. Because you're not going to, and I'm not going to make it on our own. It's not going to happen. And God would have us to stop mixing. As much as we think it's, it's, it's love, we need to be careful about sentimentality. Mixing world, worldly people, and I don't care who they are, with Christianity. Because you cannot have both and have Christ in an intimate experience. You cannot have both. That's what happens when we leave our place in a local assembly. That's what happens. I want to make that crystal clear. Very clear in the Word of God this morning. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not even convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. All the time saying you love them. Haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. <laughs> Disobedient to parents. Ooh, that snuck in there, didn't it? How about spiritual parents? Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. 
implacable, unmerciful. Now, here's the markers. Here's the markers. This is what makes it so dangerous. And it made me so angry to hear about it. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, and I believe it's eternal death here unless they get right, which is some of these sins you get into, homosexuality and lesbian, they're the most difficult things to get out of. I'm telling you right now. And even illicit sex with women, men and women, outside of marriage is extremely hard to get out of. Very hard. Spiritual fornication. Spiritual adultery. Not only are they not worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure and then they do them. Huh. Wow. Interesting. This is the word. This is the word. This is God showing us how close we are to seeing him, to see him. He's given us the footprint to know. In, in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, and 2 Timothy, the third chapter. He's given it. And he's given it to us in Romans, the first chapter. How close we are. Because how long ago were these things written? How long ago were they written? I'm going to tell you who your friend should be. And look me straight in the face, the body of Christ. Those are your friends. Others you pray for and try to, and, and as God leads, pray for them. But to continue to fellowship with them outside the local assembly is a big, fat no-no. No. No. And believe me, this morning, if you even have, or I had an inkling, if this was for you, I promise you, by the grace of Almighty God, it is. <laughs> Okay? It is. It's godly counsel, by the way. It's not condemnation. It's godly correction and counsel. That's what it is. Because this is the word of God, not the word of Ed or the word of men. Don't receive it. Like maybe we would receive others in their fleshly carnal personality. This is very serious this morning because this is God loving us. I want to make that crystal clear also. This is where we are right now. Here again, God's going to show us where we are. Okay. What would make us want to be with others than those that are of the local assembly more than that? I don't know. What is that? I'm going to tell you what that is. It's, it's ignorance of worldly subtlety. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's ignorance of that. Of worldly subtlety. The enemy is extremely subtle. And I don't know why we think we have certain ministries to do with others outside of a local assembly. Do you know of any? Because if you have one, okay, then I don't know where that's coming from. But actually, I do. <laughs> I do know where. I do know where it's coming from. Now, you will see in, in Revelations chapters 2 and 3, you will see that in Revelations chapters 2 and 3, this is the whole progression of Christianity. This is the whole progression of Christianity, the church as a whole. 
and you can see where it starts. And by the time we get to Revelation 3, this is where we are right now. This is where we are right now in Christianity. This is Revelation 3 and verse 14. To the angel, the messenger of the church at Laodicea, write, These things says the Amen. The Amen. The end of everything. <laughs> the one who only counts. These things saith the Amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you are either cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. You notice that? That, you know what? Are they born again here? Are they the church? Locals, are they born? Yeah, they're born again. They're born again. Are they positioned in Christ? Yes. Are they experiencing Christ as they're all? Answer, no. Can there be fellowship? No. Why then would he spew them out of his mouth? That speaks of fellowship, never salvation. Some will teach this. Like in, you know, like in 1 Timothy 2.12, they'll, they'll take those scriptures all out of context. This speaks of fellowship. I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich. <laughs> I am rich and increased with goods and I have need of nothing and know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be truly rich and white raiment that you may be what? Clothed, really, <laughs> really experience your position. Why? That the shame of your nakedness. You know, that's not even, there's no shame anymore. You ever notice it in our day? Huh? Lesbianism? Homosexuality? Cross-dressing? It's all out there. All out there. Doesn't matter. Everything goes. How close are we to Christ? Seeing him. Oh, it's so close. These are the signs. These are the signs. The signs are also brought out in Matthew, the 24th chapter, which are the beginning of sorrows. What's going on in the world system today with wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and all these different things going on. Tell you one thing, God leads you to go somewhere, okay? And to be with certain people, it's to give them the truth. It's to live it and not be like them and not to partake of what they partake of. I want to make that crystal clear. As it's being made crystal clear to me. <laughs> Just want to make that crystal clear also. I counsel you to buy of me these things, that the shame of your nakedness does not appear. And anoint your eyes with eyeself that you may see. This is the preaching and teaching of the word on a consistent basis. Listen, on a consistent, you're not going to grow. If you think you're going to grow by having a little word here, a little word there, a little devotion here, a little devotion here, and you're not getting the preaching and teaching in the local assembly, I promise you, you are not going to grow. You will not grow. I don't care who you are. I don't care who I am. We won't grow. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Is he doing, can, can God give us counsel that would rebuke us and chasten us? Who does he chasten? Those that he loves. 
Hooters and chastening is the first step of grace. It's called correction and counsel. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and change your mind. Do a about face. Do an about face. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. This is the will. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me. That always speaks of a depth of intimate fellowship, by the way to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You'll see it says plural here. In the original, it is the church. There's only one church. There's only one. Only one. It's very interesting here that in, in this book of Corinthians, these, this first epistle especially, that there were these saints and they did have fellowship. They were taught the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16. They were taught the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter. They were taught also that he's the head of that body. They, they were taught those things. Clearly in Colossians 1.18 and Colossians 2.19 is one head, one mind. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, one head, no divisions, all one word, period. And they were to be, they were to become those that would be very, very intelligent through receiving God's will through his word. And then they became proper witnesses. Proper witnesses. We see that very clear in the scripture. So that we could be in 2 Corinthians 3, 3, known and read of all men. See, there's a ministry within that's necessary. There has to be, to be a written epistle, there has to be a written epistle, in other words, a ministry through preaching and teaching within, inside, which is very necessary to give an outside proper testimony. Now, is the inside, what we have been taught, is it being manifested on the outside? Or am I on the outside like those that I'm with that aren't born again? Because if one's not the other, the other's not the other. It's just plain and simple. This is experience. This is teaching. So, how can there then be fellowship with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to minister to our need without participating Him in the character of who we are in Christ? If I don't know it, God's nature, character, and essence, how can I participate? And this is where the proper preaching and teaching of the Word of God comes into play. It comes in right where, where it should be. And so, then what? What does love do? Love what? Doesn't seek her own. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, it doesn't seek her own. And the very spirit of that is, we can see that love does not seek their own. That's Philippians 2, 3, and 4, because you have the mind of Christ, Philippians 2, 5. Because most, if not all, seek their own in 221 in Philippians, not the things that are of Christ. It's simple as that. Who's the, who's the one sufficient one? Who is it alone? And that's Christ. And we need to draw our all from him. 
And I mean that. We need to draw all because that's true fellowship with God. And you know what fellowship with Christ does? Let me, let me make it clear as God has made it clear to me this morning in my own life here that this fellowship with Christ means separation from the world. Everything about it. Everything about it. Everything. You can still accept the person and love them and make it clear you don't accept the lifestyle. See? Because fellowship with Christ always means separation from the world and all of its wisdom. And this is insisted on. Why? Because that world has rejected Christ, which is corrupt through the lusts of the flesh, and over which broods what? The dark shadow of its self-chosen prince, Satan who is not Christ, but the enemy of Christ and the enemy of his people. The enemy of his people. So then we get into 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. It's talking about apostasy. Apostasia, the Greek word. Apostasia. Being disqualified. Anyone. The disqualified. And this is the apostasy in Christendom. What's Christendom? Listen, you can talk about God and talk about the things of God and live any way you want. And uh, however way, whatever way you want to live your lifestyle, you'll find a so-called place to go that preaches the word that backs you up in that lifestyle. That's Christendom. That's right. As far as you want to go. Christendom. Because all Christendom is, is still the revolt of the world going way back to Genesis the third chapter and Genesis the fourth chapter. And what is that? It's still a revolt of the creature against its creator. That's the history of the world. Come on, Christians. Come on. Why do we have to ask why? Why should we have to ask why? Is this for me or not? Is this for me? It's for all of us. You don't have to ask that. You don't have to ask me. This is for all of us. This is God's counsel. And maybe I'm not doing it, but it still is counsel. And is that not protection still? Oh, yes. Yes. It's the spurning of that that God instituted at the very beginning. Let's start with it. He created them male and female. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should men, as far as God's word, dress like women, and should women dress like men? Do you see that today? Do you see it today? That's Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5. It's called abomination. It is blasphemy against God. It's speaking by how you dress what your mind is in hatred toward God. That's what it is. And that's a light thing. Just think of what goes now. What Christians being comfortable to be around worldly people? What made us so comfortable? Is there any comfort in the world outside the local assembly? Is there? Where do we find our comfort? Who are our friends? Why? What do you mean? Why? Here's the truth. Here it is. For all of us, by the way. 
against God. Apostasy sums up in itself in that one all apostasy. Now, is this the absolute apostasy and its fulfillment in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, in those first 12 verses? No. Not as a whole group. But this apostasy is talking about individuals. Individuals. Not only do they don't care about the lifestyle that they're in, but they'll mock you to scorn. Because Christ is in you. And they don't like the light. And can light fellowship with darkness? Can it? Cut it off. We need to. How gracious then is God to us to mark all this out, to show us how close we are. Seriously. And to what? To not get dismayed or overborne or startled even by that spirit of evil that's yet to be conquered. We don't have to. And terrified in nothing by our adversaries. In Philippians 1, 28. Not terrified, but knowing this, that we're not only in Philippians 1, 29, called... To believe on him. You know what it means to believe on him? Depend on him, submit to him and his word in detail. That's what it says. But also to suffer for his sake. Do you know that when you live right with God, you will not be accepted of the world in any, in any specific area? You will not be. I don't care what you say the testimony is or not. Listen. Do you laugh what they laugh at? Do you hang with them more than the body of Christ? Do you? Do you have a separate ministry? No. No, you don't. You do not. You don't. Those things are coming to a close. Yes, thank God. So much more, the grace that he's manifesting to us. So much more. Oh, boy. There's so much more that we could get into. But I'm going to close this to, to let us see. And you will see this in the epistles, in, in, especially in, in 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy. And you will even see it in Revelations. And you will even see it in Romans, the first chapter. We read it in verse 32. They're going to be mockers. Mockers. They're going to mock. <laughs> A Christian. <laughs> Mocking. Mocking, not only hating God, but blaspheming, mocking Him. And oh, we should be afraid. We don't want to be too Christ-like and too godly, because they might not accept us. What do you? What do you mean? Accept you? They hate Christ. Not pray for them. Yes, soul win. I believe in it fully. Proverbs eleven thirty. He that wins souls is wise. And he that teaches, yes, in Daniel uh, 12 and verse 3, the wise teachers will shine as lights. Yes. 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 But your protection and mine is a local assembly. There's no question about it. Mockers. They mocked him. Now I'm just going to close with these things. <clears throat> and we're going to see what that word mock, la'og, is in the Hebrew. There's seven Hebrew terms for that word mock. La'ag. L-A-A-G. La'ag. Seven 
terms, they all mean blaspheming God, mocking God. And it speaks of slander. And it occurs 18 different times in the Old Covenant. And there are various subjects of this verb to indicate its range of meaning. Now here's some. The wicked mock the poor and thereby insult their divine maker in Proverbs 17 and verse 6. Notice that? The poor, spiritually poor. I can't do it. The world can't give it to me to make me rich. I realize that I'm poor, bankrupt in myself. I receive Christ and live by him, and they mock you. Some even call it a cult. How about the cult of homosexuality and lesbianism? How's that for a cult? Proud mocker. Their wicked eyes mock their fathers in Proverbs 30, verse 17. What their father taught them now becomes a source of mocking. They delight in laughing at such servants of God as Job in Job 21 and verse 3. Jeremiah in 20, verse 7. Asaph in Psalm 80. Verse 6 and 7. Nehemiah in Nehemiah 2.19. The Jews, they mock the Jews in Nehemiah 3, verse 33. And Hezekiah's mailmen, messengers, in 2 Chronicles 30, verse 10. Men who mock God's servants and message will ultimately be mocked in turn. Will God mock them? You want the scriptures? Psalm 2.4, Psalm 37, verse 13, and Proverbs 1 and verse 26. They will be, listen, this is the word of God. You can take it and so can I, okay? Let's not get comfortable in our own little old cells and shut ourselves off because this might seem a little strong. It's the word of God. We ain't going to grow up. This isn't Sunday school. It's not. It's not Sunday school anymore. Where we're going to sit around a fire and sing Kumbaya. It's time to grow up. It is. It's time to grow up in Christ. Men who mock God's servants and message will ultimately be mocked in turn, delivered into the captivity of people who speak with what seems to be a stammering or mocking tongue. I'm going to go to somewhere where people talk what I want to hear. They might be stammering, but I want to go here because I want to continue to live the way that I want. Real popular message today, isn't it? Let's... Why don't we just cut all this out of the Bible if you don't want to hear it? Let's just cut it out, okay? Not going to happen. I'm not, no, I'm not, it's not going to happen. Not with me. Mm-mm, not going to do it. Promise, that's a God's promise. Not happening. Never will happen by His grace, His mercy, and His unconditional love. So there'll be a stammering tongue in Isaiah 33 and verse 10. The source of this kind of judgment is God. Notice that? Psalm 2.4, again, the Lord will mock those rebels who say of God, the Father, and his Messiah, let's break off their bands and cast off their cords. I don't want the word of God in this area. I want to live the way that I want. Those are the ones you do not fellowship with. You may love them. You may pray for them. You should not fellowship with them because you are getting in the way of God, hopefully, hopefully, bringing them to the end of themselves in self-help and self-hopelessness. And this is the truth. 
Now, that's judgment. God will laugh at the heathen. No, he won't. We just gave you the scriptures. Yes, he does. His justice and his love laughs. He will have all of them in derision in Psalm 59, verse 8. Likewise, wisdom joins God in laughing at the calamities of the coarse and hardened fool. Yeah. She mocks when their fear comes in Proverbs 1 and verse 26. Did you know that? The virgin, the daughter of Zion, mocked the proud, boastful Sennacherib in 2 Kings 19.21 in Isaiah 37 and verse 22 when God actually delivered her from him. La'ag. Mocking derision. Mocking. Mocking. The psalmist complains that God made Israel a reproach, a cherpa, a scorn, kalis, and a derision to everyone around them. In Psalm 44, 13, and in Psalm 79 and verse 4, the same is said of the two sisters of Samaria and Jerusalem. You will be laughed to scorn and had in derision because you rejected me and refused my word. That's in Ezekiel 23 and verse 32. This derision is directed at Jerusalem in particular that will come from the nations that begin to surround her. See, the Christian, the person who's unsaved and didn't want preaching and teaching, the world comes in and starts circling you. To the Christian who doesn't have proper fellowship and a proper local assembly is still left, the flesh in them begins to encircle them through the world coming through the flesh and begins to circle them and to keep them in bondage. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24, and without proper preaching and teaching, you in 2 Timothy 2.25, the enemy uses the lack of that and bad teaching to, for you to oppose yourself because God's for you. 2 Peter 3.9, he's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish. No. No. To speak against, to spy out, to slander, to become a busybody, to murmur, to backbite, to laugh at, to deride, to scoff at. Here's the word deride. Here's where we get this word deride, which is mock, to mock, to deride. First, it speaks of a wrinkle way back in the Hebrew. Now, you really, way back. And and the wrinkle means it's the grin. It's the laughing mock. That's what it is. It's to laugh at in contempt, to turn to ridicule or to make sport of, or to make sport of.